As 2020 draws to a close, there's every chance that you've felt lonely at some point this year. You might feel lonely now, or as Christmas gets closer, you might have feelings of loneliness around that. The good news is, you're not alone in that feeling. Loneliness, just like happiness, sadness, fear, is all part of the human experience. Hello, thanks so much for joining me for another edition of You OK. It feels a little at this stage, to be honest, like we're in the closing few miles of a marathon. You know, cramp is setting in. We're told the finish line is just around the next bend. We can't quite see it. We're just really struggling. But if we cheer each other on, we should get there. I hope that you are doing okay and you're just managing to keep putting one foot in front of the other really at this stage. You know, that's we just have to keep doing that and we'll get to the end. Today, we're going to talk about loneliness, which is one of those things that we can have very stereotypical ideas about, actually. You know, it's something that affects all of us at various stages of our lives. And yet there's often a stigma around voicing feelings of loneliness. Now, this isn't going to be, you know, a conversation where a few people share their experiences of loneliness, much as that would, of course, have value. But I actually think many of us have a really limited understanding of how complex loneliness can be. I know I certainly did until I started researching it for this episode. To that end, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Roger O'Sullivan from the Institute of Public Health, who's done a lot of research in this area. And actually, just after we finished recording, new statistics on loneliness were published by the CSO. So I'll have a bit more on that view at the end of the podcast. We're going to start at the very beginning and ask Roger, what is loneliness? Loneliness is a very personal experience. It's a subjective unwelcomed feeling where there's a a lack or a loss of companionship. Two people may experience the same thing and have very different outcomes. You may have too few relationships or you may lack the quality or closeness that you really seek. Some people could feel lonely in a crowded room and others may have loads of connections. Often we hear the terms loneliness and social isolation, but it's important to recognise that they're two very different terms and feelings. And by that I mean loneliness is subjective, it's hidden. You can't tell if someone is lonely or not. While social isolation is a more objective, it's about the size and the number of people in your network. But not everyone who is lonely is isolated and not everyone who is isolated is lonely. And that's an important difference to recognise. There's three different types of loneliness. Social loneliness is about the quantity as well as the quality of relationships, the type of connections. Emotional loneliness is the loss of a meaningful or the absence of a meaningful relationship that meets a need. An existential loneliness, which is really the feeling of being separate from people in society. Most people really, when they say lonely, It's like a catch-all term, but to to unpack that further, because if you understand it that little bit more, then you know what to do or where to get help from. Loneliness can be transient, can be at a time when you retire, when you move houses or jobs, when you become a carer, or maybe when you become a student or at times of bereavement. Situational is at certain times, maybe over the year or certain occasions, you may feel lonely. And occasional loneliness is this feeling that comes and goes. And often it's seen as just 
a natural part of being human. Chronic loneliness is where you feel lonely all or most of the time. I think sometimes we can be inclined to think of loneliness as a kind of a one dimensional thing and we can, you know, perceive it as it affects largely older people or it's about people who don't see anyone or whatever and that it is the one feeling. But it's actually quite a complex thing and sometimes people can feel lonely and not actually be able to name that that's what they're feeling. It's that feeling of loss and sometimes people may not know what that is. Mm. John Capiocho described loneliness like Hunger, thirst and pain. It's an emotion that your body tells you you need to take action and to think about it. You feel hungry, you know what to do. When you feel thirsty, you know what to do. When you're in pain, when you feel lonely, it's about taking action, recognising that feeling and taking action. All of us have different perceptions and stereotypes about who or what is lonely. The Tilda study found that 6% of people over 50 report they feel often lonely, compared to 65% of people who state they hardly ever or never feel lonely. That's 2009 to 2011 when that data was collected. So there's an important message. If we say the 6% is those who felt often lonely or always lonely, that's chronic. But on the positive side, You have 65% of people who state they hardly ever or never feel lonely. Mm. And that's extremely positive. Of course, COVID has changed the face and our perceptions and our understanding of loneliness. You know, one of the things that I kind of really noticed during lockdown was people, maybe some of those in that 65% that you mentioned from the Tilda study, that don't really have a sort of familiarity with feeling lonely or necessarily any kind of relationship with it. Feeling for some of them, maybe for the first time in a long time, a sense of loneliness, a sense of, you know, missing family, missing opportunities to connect. And I think what one of the things you said at the outset that is really important is it's not just that idea of casual social connections or acquaintances or being physically with people. It's the quality of that connection. We learnt a lot about ourselves and society during COVID. Some of the things we take for granted, some of the connections. The example that I think of is giving someone a hug. The importance of human connections. If you think about masks, you know, seeing the smile, reading the facial expressions, those are important social clues and social connections that have been changed. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to 2021 when we will get those back again. So I'm just wondering, based on, you know, the data you shared with us about, say, 6% of the population reporting often or chronic sort of feelings of loneliness versus that sort of healthy 65% saying, ah, you know, rarely if ever experiencing any loneliness. I imagine those numbers changed a bit during the pandemic, possibly along with all of the in-betweens as well. Yes. If we look at CSO data from April of this year, what's striking is The age group 18 to 34 show the largest increase in reporting feeling lonely all or most of the time. Perceptions of who is lonely is is often very stereotypical. So it's maybe the older person who lives up a long lane by themselves. So that's how we may think about loneliness rather than 
say, the young person who's going to university for the first time in a city that they're unaware of. So that's a, that's a group that can feel loneliness as well. So it's important that the pandemic has made us think about loneliness. It's maybe made people more caring, compassionate and concerned about people who are lonely and socially isolated. Mm. And that's an opportunity for us to reframe a conversation around loneliness. If this podcast allowed someone to start up a conversation with someone to say, have you ever been lonely? That'd be really positive. Or for someone to say, do you know what? I actually feel lonely sometimes. I was once given a talk and I used the opportunity to say to my mother, who's in her 80s, lives by herself. And I said, Mum, I'm giving this talk about loneliness. Do you ever feel lonely? And she looked at me and said, where would I get time to feel lonely? (laughs) That's a brilliant response. And what was really insightful about that is she went on to lay out her entire week and the social groups and clubs and activities that she did. There was a wisdom Mm. in that response of the concept of building a convoy, doing things that you enjoy, keeping active, keeping connected. There was such a wisdom in that. You talk about making healthy choices around loneliness and like that's language that we're all very very familiar with around the idea of making healthy choices around eating or drinking or exercise but what do healthy choices around loneliness look like? There's a message to take five for your well-being and if you think about it in terms of addressing the loneliness and remembering it's a very personal experience And you have to understand what's causing your loneliness, the frequency of your loneliness, that'll actually help address it. But if you think about the connect with others, Mm. build a convoy of connections. But remember, you only may need a very small convoy. It's good to connect, to be the person who calls others rather than waiting to be called. Yes, yeah. To be proactive. But also then, the second one is be active. Walk, cycle, garden, find something that works for you. Keeping in mind the public health social measures, but the importance that you can walk in a social distance group. Yeah. You can garden outside. So that's the about being active because you get two benefits. You get the benefits to your physical health, but you also get your social connections. Take notice if you feel lonely, recognise it, listen and take action. Keep learning. Nuts, the idea of connecting with others, learn to dance, learn to paint, learn a new language. You can do those with others online. And if you if you were to think about the characteristics of what you consider a good person, mm-hmm. it is people who care for others, who give and who listen. And the importance of that, if you give and you volunteer and you help others, it may help you but it actually may help others at the same time. There's a benefit to both them and you. We've become very aware of the health risks of the virus Mm. and we'll increasingly recognise the social impact of that and the need to plan for the future. How will you rebuild your connections in the future and learn from the experiences that you've had over the past nine months? just ask you, it's a word we have used 
right from the start, time and time again, connection, connect, the importance of it, the quality of it, the frequency of it, etc. Just for anyone listening who might be unsure of what we mean when we say that, what are we talking about when we talk about connect or connection that makes it different from just something fluffy or light? Each person will have a different expectation of what they mean to connect. Could be a recognition of you, a recognition of your role, your contribution. It's a very individual concept connection. But I think what we do know is that even though some people may only want one connection, others may want many. What makes us human is our desire to connect to other people at different levels. What's coming through quite clearly from talking to you, Roger, is this notion that actually to help overcome your loneliness, there is a bit of introspection required. There is this idea of questioning, well, what do I want to do? What do I want? What are the what's the extent of connection I want? What do I need? What am I looking for? What constitutes a connection for me? It's really interesting. And I wouldn't at the outset of this researching this topic, it's not something I would have connected to loneliness. The idea that there's a real element of introspection and knowing yourself and being reflective around overcoming it. But there is also that whilst loneliness is a very individual issue, it's important to recognise the structural aspects that can also drive loneliness. You know, the environment that we live in, our built environment, mm. whether we have money in our pocket that we can make choices about whether we go out and connect with someone or not, mm. our participation in clubs and associations. And if you think about the nature of clubs and societies, it's sometimes harder to join those at different stages of your life. So those connections really matter across the life cycle. So whilst loneliness is an, a, an issue that impacts individuals, we must remember that it's an issue for all of society and that's how we need to think about it. Yeah, and I wonder, as we were chatting earlier about this idea of, um, you know, the misconceptions that we can have and the stereotyping we do, I wonder, you know, is that something that has an impact even on the data that we gather, like, and in turn, the strategies that we design? Because I'm, I'm thinking, really, does a lot of the research tend to focus on older people and loneliness, too? And that's the challenge here. You're correct that you know, I'm particularly interested in older people and loneliness and that's where most of the data and the research is. Right. And that's the perception that loneliness was originally seen as part of growing older. And that's how it's been constructed. Mm. But part of the pandemic is rethinking who is lonely, what causes loneliness and what can you do as individuals, communities, government and wider society to address loneliness. If we were to encourage an awareness raising of the impact of loneliness, then people will know, oh, I need to take this seriously. If you were to raise awareness that actually it's OK to talk about loneliness. In some Scandinavian countries, they've set up models to address issues that may be associated with loneliness. So they have a table in some restaurants. They recognise that many people who go to restaurants in Sweden eat by themselves. So they set up a table where people who come in by themselves can sit at a table along with others who are all there by themselves and have a conversation on a particular topic. That's a great so idea. So that's like the conversation table. 
providing the space, but it's not enforced frivolity like you must sit at this, you lonely single person and have a conversation. It's not setting it up like that. Yeah, so that's about challenging the stereotypes, but actually helping to facilitate a a solution where you make a connection on a topic. Uh, I understand in different cities they have walking groups where they're history walking groups, literature walking groups. So it's it's all according to the issue that interests people. Yeah. Of course, this was pre-COVID, but it's it's the idea of trying to find uh, community-based uh, solutions and recognising that you have to find a solution that works for you and also asking for help if you need help. The very existence of those things challenges the stigma around loneliness because there can't be a walking group if there's not actually a fair chunk of us that need it. You know, so this idea of visibility and seeing that, oh, I'm not the only one that feels like this. It's not weird to feel like this. It doesn't mean I'm not fun and nobody wants to hang out with me. It's just a circumstantial thing or whatever. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of people in the same boat. The challenge is to try to provide healthy choices as easy choices around addressing issues of connections. Mm-hmm. The voluntary and community sector provide a range of different services for a range of different groups. Mm. So there's a, a, an excellent choice of options to pick from. It's, it's back to that very personal issue that you have to find something that works for you, whether it's a walking group or volunteering or a, a, a social club like Men's Shed or a mm. befriend service like Alone. You have to find a connection that works for you. And remember, across the life cycle, if we look at the people aged 18 to 34 who in the early stage had that increase in loneliness or feeling lonely all or most of the time, mm. they may require a very different type of intervention or connection than someone in their 50s or 60s or 70s. There's so much this experience over the last few months has given us personally and at a wider societal level to consider and to think about, well, what kinds of things do we want to leave behind us and what kinds of things do we want to take into the future with us to either rebuild back into our lives or to make space for? It's really interesting time. I think... The full impact of the pandemic won't be known for years to come. However, directly and indirectly, we've really come to realise how important the social fabric of society matters and how much we take for granted. And I think we've all learnt a lot about ourselves and our connections and our communities. And at times of need, do you have someone to call on to give you support? Because the small things really matter at the end of the day. Well, not long after Roger and I spoke, the Central Statistics Office, the CSO, released new data from their Social Impact of COVID-19 survey conducted in November. Now, they did a similar survey in April. You heard Roger there in our chat allude to some of its findings. So it's really interesting to be able to compare the findings between the two surveys. The percentage of respondents this time who reported feeling lonely all or most of the time doubled between April and November. We all know as well that this has been a particularly tough time for young people and that's been reflected in the figures too. Like more than one in four respondents aged between 18 and 34 reported feeling all or most of the time that they were lonely. And that's a 15.5% increase 
since April. So certainly there's a trend there with the figures that we can see. And I hope that those statistics just give you a sense of reassurance, really, that what we're living through is really hard. And loneliness is one aspect of the experience that many people are feeling to varying degrees of intensity. I thought what Roger said around the personal nature of loneliness was really powerful. Just that idea that we can interrogate our loneliness. We can ask ourselves, is this a social type of loneliness? Is this an emotional thing? Is it existential in nature? And then go on to ask ourselves, is it something transient? Does it, you know, does it just go of its own accord? Is it situational? Is it occasional? Or is it chronic? Asking ourselves those questions just equips us with the information to do something about it. You know, suppressing it, not allowing ourselves to be curious about it or talk to others about it, like that just doesn't help us in the long run. It just further isolates us and likely really intensifies our sense of loneliness. I know this is a tough time of year, you know, in an already tough year and I've no doubt that some of us are dreading Christmas and then some of us are really excited and hoping it brings lots of opportunities for connection. But if you are lonely and you don't want to be, start small. You know, maybe make one phone call, send one text or meet one friend and just mention, just mention it, that you're feeling lonely. I guarantee you the other person will have felt some type of loneliness at some point too because they're a human being, just like you're a human being and this stuff is part of being human. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Christmas Eve for a special celebration of basically making it to the end of the year. And in the meantime, take care and we'll talk again soon. Bye for now. You OK was created and edited by Paul Moriarty and me, Jani Lanagon. If you or someone you know is struggling with feelings of loneliness, you can find helpline information at rte.ie forward slash support.